I asked Charlie Hooler to give me a podcast theme tune that reminded me of a town called Malice with a Peaky Blinders Edge. The boys nailed it. Welcome to episode 11 of the Foyne Jones Show. This is season six. We are inspiring our stars of the future. And today's guest is going to tell his own inspirational story. He's travelled down from Hertfordshire. He's arrived in Brighton, Sussex by the sea. Matt Pitt, welcome to the studio. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, it's an absolute pleasure. I think that we're going to tell the listeners about the Caboodle story. They're going to get to know you, Matt, as a person. And more importantly, we're going to use that journey and take a snapshot of what it means in today's industry and how it can inspire the next generation. But it's a very special day, Charlie. Did you know? Why? May the fourth be with you. Oh, oh no. Yeah, no. it's Star Wars Day. It's Star Wars Day. It's been all over social media. That and my trip to Budapest are the two viral viral trending subjects at the moment, man. I'm getting random people ringing the office going, did your boss go Budapest? And I, I, I might have got a bit too big on it, to be honest. But, but we will, in this episode, be learning about Matt's journey and the Caboodle story. We're going to spend some time, Matt, talking about the industry now, what the KBB industry looks like now to what it looked like when it all begun for you. Mm-hmm. And that story about where it began, that's quite special. I'm looking forward to sharing that. Um, we're going to get to know you away from work, and that's going to involve a conversation about Steve and his town football club. We're going to be talking about a young skater that became a surfer. <laughs> um, we'll get to know your family, your passions, your interests, and we're going to lead this episode, Charlie. We're going to lead this episode with words of advice for the next generation. You up for it, Mr. Hula? Because you two, like, you don't need me, really, do you? You're talking about West Portugal, you're talking about the waves, the, what do you call it, the rips? Is that what you said? Uh, the swell? The swell, swell that's it. The, yeah, the swell, there's no swell here, there's swells there. I was thinking of Cadbury's twelves. I'm out of my depth and I'm going to try and get us back onto football. But, Matt, for the uneducated, because there may well be people who don't know the Caboodle story, mm-hmm. uh, and very well branded today, I like that. Thank you, I like that. thank you, I, like yeah, that. I love See, the I'm, brand, yeah. yeah got, got, uh, repping the brand is always good. Um, just take a couple of moments, mate, just to tell people who you are, what you do, and why we're here today, mate. Just introduce yourself. All right. Um, so I'm the managing director and founder of Caboodle, and what we do is we supply and install kitchen appliances. Um, there's kind of two sides to our business. We've got the construction side where we supply and install for house builders and developers, and then we've got the more recent side where we're providing installation services for directly for appliance manufacturers and also for retailers who are looking for that kind of fulfilment service right, for their okay. sale. So, so, so two distinct customers there. So, so very much so. At, yeah. If you're looking at the, you know, the, the supply and install, that's you know we are we are building X amount of houses or X amount of flats, and, and you're, yep. you're involved in that project. But that that's the, the other side of it's really interesting because it's it the, it is, it's a service you're off, you're offering to someone else where you know yes you can buy this appliance and we will bring it to your home and we will get it going. That's that's it. that's 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 two very different customers, isn't it? Because it's, it's me and my wife. On one, on one hand, you know, because we want a premium appliance and we want it installed and we want it fitted beautifully. Yeah. And then it's the demanding, the, the more demanding, you could say, building, building, building plots and development plots. So, Correct. so what, what's the what, what's the real difference between them? How, how does the, the is it separate teams that deal with it? Is it how does it look? It, it is and it isn't. It, it is separate teams. We we kind of use the construction side actually as a as a training ground for our apprentices um, that's where they learn the trade because they've got more opportunity you know they've got plots after plots after plots so they can hone their skills mm. 
they can mess up a door without upsetting Mrs. Jones, you know, when they're... She's very moody, Mrs. Jones. Exactly. You mess her doors up, mate. Well, Trust this is me. it. So, so they, they, they hone their craft on the construction side, and then we kind of cherry-pick those that have not only got the installation skills, but they've got the soft skills, the customer skills, yeah. and then we place them into the home installation environment because that is just but that's, as that's important. that's a great way to learn, though, in, a, in an empty palace, in an empty flat, in a, you yes, know, there. You exactly. Can, and, and you're able to put it right, aren't you? So, yeah. so that, that, that's, that's fascinating, especially on the apprentices subject, which I know we'll, we'll come on to later because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you on, on what you look for in an employee and what you look for in an apprentice and what you look for in a star of the future. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> that's the theme for the episode. But let, let's go back then to, to where it began because you didn't, you wasn't born into, into <laughs> appliance installation. Your career took a different pathway initially, didn't it? It did, yeah. Yeah, I didn't have a particular passion for washing machines and cookers. Mm. Uh, it, was, it was actually, I was, I was in sales. I'd just moved back from Australia and I got made redundant. So falling into this was more out of survival at the time. Mm. I happened to have a family member that was working for a distributor and they helped me out and said, look, come and do this to tie yourself over mm. while, you, while you find your next thing. So it's purely survival. Um, I started as a trainee working with a qualified installer. I loved it. I enjoyed the banter. I enjoyed the team spirit. I enjoyed what was going on on site. And... Uh, yeah, I never really looked back. Uh, at the time, the company I was working for kind of dominated the South because they were the closest distributor to London. So where I saw my opportunity to kind of branch out on my own was looking at the distributors that were based sort of in the Midlands in yeah. Leicester and giving them a chance to unlock London by mm. providing installation services. So, so when was this, like, like date-wise, year-wise? That was... I'm showing you. This is, this is our eighteenth year. Eighteenth year. Yeah. Okay. So that was that was that was a long time ago. Yeah, I was twenty, twenty six yeah. at the time. Uh, yeah, I probably looked fifty because I've always looked old. They call me Benjamin Button at work. <laughs> I think I was just born old. <laughs> so Benjamin <laughs> yeah. Button. You should let that one out. We'll get that into we'll get that into the video clips, won't we, Charlie? Uh, we'll get that into the video clips. But all right, Benjamin Button. So <laughs> let, let's go back. So being made redundant is pretty shit, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's, um, yes. And, yeah. and, and I'm doing a lot of work. People know this. I'm doing a lot of work offering free of charge redundancy support because. Um, when you're made redundant, you often you often think it's the end, and there's yeah. and it's different pressures for everyone. You know, you can become you come can come from high net worth and a six figure package, or you can be at a very junior level. But mm. redundancy still hurts the same. Um, I saw it affect members of my family during the during the, the lockdown crises, and yeah, we stood up and, and be counted, and we worked with some brilliant partners. You know, one of them sponsors this show still, Marcel MHK Holding UK. They sponsor this show still, but uh, with them and with Kuka and with others, we we put some great stuff together. David Walcott, who we mentioned, yeah, mentioned you were a earlier saddler, from me. Yeah. yeah, I was one of the first saddlers. I yeah. don't know if I was the very first, but I was certainly um, I was certainly one of the first. That was and, a good um, initiative. Yeah, I mean, brilliant, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it deserved it deserved everything it got in terms of praise, and and I loved being involved with it because I could completely take my recruitment hat off, mm-hmm. and talk, and people would not talk to me as a recruiter; they would yeah. talk to me about them. And it's a lot of the skills I learned during those conversations and during the redundancy support we did that enabled me to go again. And I'm going again now. And sadly, with the R word back, I'm fully booked now into June. Wow. You know, with my with the redundancy support I'm doing. Yeah. I've got to manage it, so I'm, I, I promised my accountant I'd only do so many hours a week free of charge and I'd only do so much. But, you know, there's people I spoke to in January 
December and January who have found new jobs and they're now clients. How good's that? You know, it's uh, it's great they've got a new job and it's great they remembered me. And if that that in turn means when they're recruiting, then we'll have a conversation and we can help them. Mm. Wow, it's there. Yeah. But redundancy doesn't mean the end. So so you went from redundancy. So what was the position after that? It was a sales position after that, or was it was it to the family? The family? Uh, so yeah, no, from the redundant, I was in a sales position. Yeah, that and, was the redundant and, one. And I went into installation. Installation. Yeah. So yeah. so that's that's what I want to focus on. So so you're, you're in your mid twenties. Yeah. A lot of our listeners will be in their mid twenties, and they they may be frustrated in their current role. They may see an opportunity. Uh, you did something very brave. You, you grasped that opportunity. Mm. Tell us about that moment. When did it become reality for you? Um, what, to take yeah, the business? Yeah, what, 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 what were the triggers for, for you to decide this, is a, this isn't just going to be a dream, I'm going to do something here? At the time, I think we was in a position, I mean, I, I suppose I'd always quite fancy the idea of working for myself and yeah. starting my own business. And at the time we made that decision, we was at the age where the decision was mortgage or have mm. a crack at it and we just felt that we're young enough to start the business and if it didn't quite pan out then we've got time so that was the decision we just made the decision like i said i went up to i went up to a, a distributor in the north i pitched the idea to uh, the md at the time paul davis really top guy and um i just said look you know if you can win the business in london i can provide the the installation service for you mm. and uh, he couldn't wait to get started he just said get, just let me know when you've got a van and we'll fill it and at the time the plan really was just to work for my, on my own yeah. for myself with enough work to to sort of tie myself and my wife over but within three months I was I was I'd employed my first person really I had that, just, that just quick that quick and and it snowballed very quickly because what happened from there was it was clearly working. It was working for the business I was working for. Other distributors got wind of it and wanted to use our service. Then they wanted us to expand our territory, which I wasn't interested in. But you're in the position where the conversation goes, look, we're going to need you to cover a bigger area. If you can't, we're going to have to find somebody else, which means you might lose the patch you've got. So again, there was no real desire to, to grow this big business, but it was more out of, well, I don't want to lose this work. I'm going to have to expand and expand and expand and before I knew it I had a, a team of installers my little band of merry men in the early days and that's it we just grew and grew but but that, those moments and, and I always talk, talk there's, there's certain moments I look in my own life and there's certain things that have happened some business some personal but they've had a real impact you know on, on, my, on me you know meeting my wife having, having, my, having Harry having Henry um, you know, moving to the West Country when we're really young, moving back. You know, there's different things that happen that that, that really have an impact. Yeah, I remember. You know, when when I lived with my nan and and we went to Hammersmith and Fulham Council, and my granddad had just passed away suddenly, and all my nan wanted was for me to go on the housing list. And uh, mm. the housing officer said, "Well, you can't. You know, you can't put your grandson on the list because the tenancy's been passed over. He'll have to go on the the other list, and you know, he, he might not get a property for whatever." Um, but if you want to, Mrs. Soli, which is her name, God rest her soul, um, you can buy it on the right to buy scheme. But as you don't have an income, I don't know how you'll do that. <laughs> and uh, I remember we walked back onto Fulham Road and we walked back to our flat and I went, and it's only 10, 15 minutes, and I went, I'm going to buy this for you, Nan. No idea I was going to do it. I, I was working, I think, four hours a day at Travis at the time. So I'm going to buy this for you. And um, well, I did. And, you know, and, and she lived there to a dying day. And um, that 
ended up as a reasonable investment, but not not because I was a shrewd property baron, Matt, not at all. It's because my nan needed somewhere to live, and the geezer said she couldn't put me on the list, and I got, I got the ump. Yeah. And, um, and, and things happen. Mm. Your moment, I guess, was when you were up there and you're doing your, your Dragon's Den pitch, if we're being trendy, yeah. you know, yeah. you're pitching to someone about an opportunity, yeah. and you're saying to them, they're saying, how quick can you get a van? Yeah. How quick can you make it happen? Yeah. Then you're coming back down the M1 or the A1, and you've got a decision to make. You've got to get that van. Yeah. How'd you get it? <laughs> well, after daily motors, or did you go somewhere a bit more reputable? It's a bit it, again. It was just just a bit of luck. It, it was a gamble because at the time, I was pretty much living in my overdraft. We'd been overseas for a couple of years, and we were just finding our feet. And uh, I was just about credit worthy enough to take a, a contract higher. Yeah, and. Uh, I, I just, there you go. just but, took but, a spin. But, but, but I thought, that... right, I can definitely afford the next three months' rent. Yeah. That's as far, that was my cliff edge. That was literally it. I, thought, I can afford to cover us for three months. So I did it. And, yeah. uh, and away we went. I got the van. And the first week of starting on my own, so I'd left a good employer. I think this is such a chance. It's an amazing story. <laughs> Mate, I'll talk about vans all day. Oh, no, van's Charlie, my happy place. Charlie, Charlie, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you've done your surfing. He'll show you his van on the way out, mate. The Buddha van is a, it, it, it's a work it's of a art. It's a machine, mate. It's yeah. a beast. But, but that, uh, that moment, like, you just, what you're saying there, mate, like, pe- people need to listen to this, you know, the next generation, because cause actually... You had three months to, to turn it around. You, yeah. you've, you've, you've just passed the credit score. You've got yourself a van. Yeah. You've got yourself a, a backer. Yeah. You've got yourself a market to go for. Yeah. Boom! I, I, I felt, I suppose in, in your 20s, you, you got a bit more confidence. And I, I don't know if it's naivety, but I just felt this was going to work. And I, I vividly remember my first week because I left, the, like I said, my, my employer was good. They looked after us. We mm. got paid well. It was secure. And I left it. And my first week in, I got this van, I got it delivered. First day I was driving, I remember it well, I was driving to Colchester to site for my first three plots on my own. First thing that happens as I'm tearing along the road is a stone pops up, hits the windscreen, cracks straight down the middle. Right? Doesn't sound major, but in that moment, I literally reached for my phone because I thought, oh, I'll phone the office. They'll sort this out. Oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> I haven't got enough. I've got to sort this. When am I going to do that? I've got to fit yeah. these plots. Anyway, that was my first bit of a wobble. Got to site. With the windscreen or without no, a windscreen? No, the windscreen. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Like, yeah. I got, got the day's work done and uh, driving home. That very night, I loaded up for the next day. I'd had some appliances delivered to my garage because that was my warehouse at the time. Parked my van. And the very night, the next morning, I'd come out early, first one up. The, the handbrake had gone on the van. It was parked on a slope. And I found it at the bottom of the road in my neighbour's drive, brick wall over. So that was my... I'm staring at day two of starting on my own. And again, thinking, right, so now I've got a cracked windscreen to fix and I've got my neighbour's wall to fix. What have I done? Yeah. And, you've blocked up, <laughs> yeah. and your deliveries have blocked up everyone on the school run as right. well. Exactly. Probably, yeah, and, and also then you start thinking, and tonight when I get back, I've got to start fitting yeah. in my invoicing because I don't... You know, these are all the things. So it was a it was a baptism of fire, I'd say, and it was a a little bit of a what have I done moment, probably for a couple of months, and then you settle into the routine, you figure things out, and away you go. And I just I, I look back on those days, and I think the one thing I did know was I knew how to please a site agent, install the appliances, do a quality job, and look after my customer. That's that's what I knew, and I was just confident as long as I could do that, I'll get paid and the rest I can figure out, and, and that's what I did. And over the years, you're hit with a challenge. At the time, it feels like 
that insurmountable challenge, but you figure it out and you move on, and then but the next challenge your, is bigger. You've got your podcast challenge today. So uh, this I think is a challenge, This is yeah. your pod, first podcast, wasn't it? I think you said earlier. <laughs> this is my, it is my first, well, I've, I've done one amateur podcast, podcast which yeah. was a, a golfer's group. Oh, the goal, yeah. The, the I mean, hopefully, Charlie, we can we, we can put a production get a bit better than better than a golfers group. Yeah, you're doing well. You're if doing it weren't well. a surfers group, but mate, you're coming over brilliantly, and and I, and I just you know you don't have to be that honest as well. Guests don't have to, but to actually say that's what happened day one, that's what happened day two, and I've got to do my invoicing. I mean, you know, we, we've all been on different journeys in, in our careers, and and I guess that's the that's the beauty of the of the caboodle story because if you look at where it started, yeah. Let's fast forward and just let, let's let's just let know that let's let our connections, our listeners, and our networks know where that business is now. Because it's not trading out your garage. You're not knocking anyone else's wall down. You've uh, you've built a pretty impressive business, mate. Yeah, you know it's it's exciting. And do you know what we, we've got so far to go as well. Yeah. But today we've got uh, three depots, um, head, headquarters in Stevenage. We've got a depot in Garforth just outside Leeds. One down in Highbridge. We've got plans to launch a new depot this year. So, yeah, the business has massively moved on. We've had a real change over the last two years. Um, I brought on new investors to the business and backers. They're fully supporting us as a team and a leadership team. So we've got a very strong structure, very strong foundations. Right you've got your new depot in Shrewsbury. You've got the business or the location in Stevenage is getting better. How many staff you got now? Um, 75 directly employed. 75 yeah. employees. Yeah. Um, that that conversation with the new investors and that and that business must be very different to that first pitch back up yeah. in the Midlands. In some ways. It is. In some ways. Yeah. But they're all the same, aren't they? Yes. It, you know, they're all the same. Some of those, what you believe in, what your vision is, almost the, the North Star, you know, in That's terms it. of where you want to get to. That, that comes through with Caboodle. There's, yeah. a, there's, there's, there's a culture in there that you've created or curated or developed. There's a, there's a mentality and there's a way of working, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just, it's really important to get your, I, I'm so passionate about this business and, and the key to it for me is the, the level of service that we provide to our customer, whether that's the builder mm. or whether it's Mrs. Jones who's just ordered a dishwasher from John Lewis. That is the key. And I think... Is that the very demanding Mrs. Jones we mentioned earlier? Yes, the, yeah, the Mrs. Tough, Jones. Tough gig, yeah. mate. Tough yeah. gig. It, it is. But if I can get that passion across, uh, you know, and, and get people to buy into that and believe in that, Mm. then, you know, we'll get the It's a really tough thing to do, though, isn't it? Because, you know, I, I talk about all this time in business. I say, OK, right, so you, you're telling me they've got to fit culturally. How, how do you measure that? Because if you can't tell me how you measure it, how do you want our team to measure it? Mm. And we have, have a lot of fun about it and we do whitewalling and brainstorming. And, and it's almost like some business say, I just want to have a sheep dip. I just want them to go, bosh, out, bosh, out, next. I'm like, well, you're not going to do that. So, no. so, so then there's got to be... And we'll talk about it now, actually, So I think it's really relevant. When your business is recruiting a star in the future, um, what do you look for in someone in terms, of, in terms of what makes someone employable through your eyes and for your respective hiring managers, the people in your team that make those decisions? What, 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 what are you looking for? Just a great question because I, I, genuinely, if you'd have asked me that five, six years ago, it'd be a very different answer. Would it? Yeah, it would. And the reason is... is it's been changed. When you start... You, you look for people that you think you're going to enjoy a drink with down the pub, that, that you, you're going to get along with. Yeah. Uh, and you want everyone to kind of be a bit like you. And, mm. and you, you know, to a degree, in the early days, that's okay because you spend a lot of time together. 
But what you learn as you go along, I mean, we did a fantastic, um, as part of a leadership training, we did like a personality assessment oh, yeah. of all of our leadership team. And what came out of it was is just the real benefit of, of diversity of thinking. Yeah. You know, you've got to have that diversity in your team, different ways of thinking. So asking me what I look for now in a recruit is very much... It, it's so broad, and, mm. and and a lot of it relates to to the role, because there are so many different characteristic and attributes and personality traits that you would align to that role. But for me, what I've learned is, you can't pigeonhole anybody. You know, you can't. You, you have to be very open minded with that cultural fit, and it might not necessarily be someone that you're going to be best friends with, but they could have some incredible skills that would absolutely nail that role. So you've got to look beyond sort mm. of a pigeonhole of, well, they'll fit, you know, the team will get on, they're great. It's more about are they going to perform, are they going to deliver the results for the business, in which case the team wins. Mm. And you, you're then looking for the value they add, aren't you? And, and, and actually, I love the comment diversity of thinking. I hope mm. Tony um, is listening, Tony McClellan from, from, uh, from last week's episode. Um, because, uh, or, yeah, a couple of episodes ago, actually, T- Tony's, big on diversity, big on education, big on inclusion. And, you know, she wants businesses to be courageous. She wants them to to embrace the learning opportunity of working with different people. And and she sees diversity more than race, colour and creed and religion. Mm. She sees it as actually a skill set yeah. and, and, a, and a way of thinking. So to hear to hear a leader like yourself talking about that... Was she and the then, one talking about the, the gang, the ex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. that was really she interesting. Said, yeah. Tony basically said, you know, if they're not a good gang leader, they end up brown that's brick. Right, yeah. You know, like, yeah. boom. They, that's they, a KPI you've got to hit, isn't it? I mean, you know... You know, yeah. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not encouraging any of our stars in the future to turn left instead of turning right, but yeah. that's quite a heavy KPI. Isn't it? If you're not good, you're dead. Yeah, but but Tony's a brilliant guest, like, like absolutely. She she's, she's an yeah. inspirational woman as she well. Was, very I, much. I, I really get on with her, um, and and I kind of listen to her for advice and, and she's really really good helps she's kind of from my part of the world and that we've got she's a lot older not a lot older than me but she's like she's like a lot of my best mates elder sisters right and that's the biggest compliment i can give her is <laughs> that i would probably be playing football with her little brother do you know what i mean like she, she, she's that lovely a person but as a as a mentor as um as a board advisor as someone who can make a difference yeah could rate her highly enough great episode Hello, Tony. <laughs> but but you're talking there, and you said something else, Matt, which I think is so, so on point. You said that actually what we want varies depending on the appointment, depending mm. on the role, depending mm. on the responsibilities, depending on the team. Mm. And that has to... You can't have... like, like we, we'll, we'll talk football, Charlie. You can't have 10 centre-forwards in a team. You can't have a team made up of holding midfielders. You've got to have different creations. That's right. You've got to have creativity, people playing different formations and knowing what you want. Mm. You know, if I want a right-back, do I want to defend first or bomb up and down the wing? You know, mm. they're two very different, different players, but mm. you know what your business needs. Mm. If your work thus far is giving you a 75-strong head count and you've grown your turnover and your business dramatically, you've recognised that, that's a message for every business and every leader, mate. So thank you so much for sharing it. Thank you so much for sharing it. Before we go to break, Charlie, what I want to do is I just want to dive into the KBB industry. Yep. All right? Very close to my heart. Mm -hmm. Very, very close to your heart. Um, On the caboodle journey. Yep. The 18 years on the caboodle journey, what, what are the big milestones and changes you've seen 
uh, how the industry was then to how it is now. Is it the same? Are there differences? There, there are similarities. Uh, it has moved on a lot. Um, I think for us, when we started, it, it was very much um, the construction side of the business and, and we moved mm. into into the retail side, which has been really interesting, actually. But what we're noticing on, on that side, especially, is is the change in consumer habits because potentially 10 years ago if you bought yourself a washing machine that was a necessity that was a must buy you needed that the installation was a nice to have you know you most of the time you'd you'd figure out how to install it yourself what we're finding or now not in my, in <laughs> or my house yeah or or not, yeah yeah but we're finding that the next generation of um homeowners and renters the gen z's coming in the installation is is a necessity they don't have the skills to do that. So the consumer spend now that even though if you take this year, for example, retail is down in general. You know, the cost of living crisis mm. is hitting people and, and the cost of food. So the purchases of appliances on the retail side is down. But for Caboodle, our orders are up. The installation selection on those retail websites is up because more and more consumers are needing an engineer to come and come and install. So that's that's kind of good for Caboodle, but it's bad as well because then it leads into the, the kind of skills crisis and people's practic- uh, sort of appetite effectively for practical skills, which hits us on the other side when we're looking for mm. people to come into the industry, you know. Fair play. One last question before the break, and Charlie's going to want to know the answer. Who come up with a name? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, it's a bit of a. Lot. It's a lot more exciting than Foy and Jones, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? We, so, we, so, you know, we li- who the music co- <laughs> who the music co- over there? You know, we've we've dug deep, haven't we? Yeah. With our names. When, when I started, it was I was KAI, Kitchen Appliance Installation. It was boring. Yeah. Every other company had a three letter abbreviation, and we wanted a good name. We went in to see this uh, agency about it. We had a conversation. It was the first brief, yeah, and it was going. We thought it was going to take. Did weeks. they have them all up and knock them over and stuff like that? They were like, they? you know, it was a typical yeah. creative agency. Yeah. There were beanbags and <laughs> skateboards and sleep pods, everything <laughs> the, the works. So they went talked us through their process and they said, this is how it's going to work. And by about week three, week four, we should come up with something. So tell us what you do. So I sat there, told them what we do. Well, we we deliver appliances, we install them, we take away the rubbish, we do a demonstration, blah blah blah. And one chap just sat there and went, so it's kind of like the whole kit and caboodle, then really, isn't it? And we just went, caboodle. We'll take that. Perfect. We'll save you. We'll yeah. save you the job. And we'll save it was you the, Bob as well. We're it was, done. It was, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was probably the quickest money they ever earned. Because you know, everybody just had a light bulb moment. Yeah. The whole kit and caboodle. That's what you do. That's Fair your service. Fun. So there. That's how what it came a fa- out. What a fantastic <laughs> caboodle moment to end the first half of the show, Matt. You've been a brilliant guest. When we get back, we are going to be talking Stevenage Town Football Club. What turned a skater into a surfer? That reminds me of uh, I was a skater boy. I said, <laughs> yeah. see you later, boy. Um, and what the future holds for the next generation. Matt, brilliant guest. We'll see you after the break. Life-changing recruitment for the KBB, builders, merchant and construction industries. Creative social content, specialist knowledge, world-leading video technology, helping you find career happiness and helping your business attract its stars of the future. We are Foyne Jones. This is what we do.
Welcome back to episode 11 of season 6 of my podcast, The Foyne Jones Show. Saying it's season 6 is always a little surreal moment because it started off, it's just a crazy idea where I could talk to a few people about football. But here we are, we've got an industry-leading podcast. Today's guest, Matt Pitt, you've been absolutely brilliant, sir. We know the caboodle story. We know your story, where it began and where it is now. Um... What I want to talk to to you about is something which I think is absolutely brilliant. It goes back to your HQ in Stevenage, where where you're based, in the the bigger location now. And it goes back to building links, or or it's talking about building links and having a presence in the local community. Um, One of our previous guests, David Blitz, um, his company, very big with Leighton Orient Football Club. So again, community-driven club. You support Steve. Your business is heavily involved with Steve in his town. They're another company being supported by our guests who've just celebrated promotion. Did Very they good. win the league? Leighton Orient. Your your get your your boy Stevenage. Second. Second. Yeah, Promoted. Yeah. Yes. Promoted to League One. Yeah. Excellent. So two promotions. Leighton Orient won the league. Stevenage Town are up in second place. You guys doing a lot of work with Stevenage Town. Yeah, it started. Well, it started years ago. I got a phone call from Stevenage Town. Um, it was just they were just after a donation of some some cheap fridges really for their academy. Uh, that was it, and um, we said yeah we'll help you out. And we went down. And we met Clive, who does all the sort of corporate promotion and everything, and he thanked us with with um, like a match day sponsorship. We we took some of the staff down. And we had a great day. That that's literally how it started. Um, so we don't do loads, but we 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 do. We usually sponsor a match every season. We've just started to. Um, go down on the terraces and take a whole bunch of the installers with us because there's a bit of an appetite. Once the, once the club's on the up, mm-hmm. there's a bit more interest, you know, and, and they've had an absolutely cracking season since Steve Evans took over. And, um, he's so, character as well, isn't he's, he, as a manager. He, he's amazing. I mean, when he started, I think it was about March last year, Stevenage were three points off the relegation zone. You yeah. know, it was that bad. And uh, I've got a mate who used to work with Steve when he was at Crawley Town. Yeah. And this guy was in marketing. And when, when Steve joined Stevenage, he called me and he said, that guy's going to get you promoted. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's back-to-back promotions. So there you go. I was, I was like, OK, we'll, we'll see. We'd better at, jump on this at, then. At the time, bit, yeah. well, looking, looking at the situation, yeah. it, it looked pretty bleak. But, um, but yeah, great, great run in the FA Cup. And, uh, I yeah, mean, I, I always result. remember Steve in his town for, for the FA Cup runs. We're talking off air, the Newcastle United match. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they, they did become known as, as, as a giant killer or always giving it a real go. And, yeah. and, and I guess as well, for, for people in that part of the world, and my mum's, my mum's in that part of the world, um, Stevenage can be like a second club, yeah. you know, because yeah. there, there's a huge population of, of Arsenal fans, huge population of Tottenham fans for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but not everyone can get to those games. Yeah. Not many so, Fulham fans, though. Yeah, I don't know, mate. No, I mean, no. there might be some in Hertfordshire, but, you know, I mean, we, we spread we spread far and wide. Do you know, I have to say, in all my 45 years on this Fulham fan. you're the second Fulham fan I've ever met. There you go. You're, you're I, probably sec- I probably know the other one. <laughs> yeah, you probably yeah, don't. I mean, His name's Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm a Peter Paul. Of course, we're both Fulham fans. That's what people normally say, but but as uh, I think I said to David Blitz, it, being the only Fulham fan people know, Fulham fan that people know, is quite good if you need free tickets and hospitality. <laughs> yeah. When they're like, oh god, it's Wednesday night, we have got Fulham, we have got no one to give this corporate suite to. It's Ring Jonesy, he won't be, he'll come up. Like so, no. But but isn't that nice though to be involved in the local team? It's local good. Town? It is good. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it's a real buzz. It's it's good to be a business in the community. 
you know mm. that's, I think that's really important and uh, yeah for the like I said for the installers that they just they enjoy the afternoon well, on a much smaller scale Foyne Jones have supported Lewis uh, who again are you know daring semi-pro football punching above their weight to be fair uh, the women's team recently got knocked out in the FA Cup quarter-final Man United they played um, it's a surreal day for me actually because Fulham self-destructed against Man United men at Old Trafford and <laughs> Lewis ladies got they, they, they made a game of it but they got beaten by a much higher quality team on the same day so so that's it for football I think we're done but yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about about your other love I want to I want to he- hear about what turned young skater boy Matt into the surfer you are today because that that from my group of friends um, the kids that weren't necessarily playing football or, or, or they're you know the skater kids and the BMX kids you know they, they, a lot of them progressed to snowboarding and surfing yeah. it's sort yeah. of a it's a way of life as, as much as anything isn't it yeah I think so I didn't I didn't surf in the UK I, I did grow up skating that and that was what I did and um when we got married and moved to Australia, we, we lived on the coast and we were there for a couple of years. And um, I got, I got obviously, from skating, watching people surf, just wanted to have a go. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, once you catch your first wave, yeah. it's, they say only a surfer knows the feeling. I mean, it sounds a bit cheesy, but it's, it is, it's true. It really is. And Should I leave now, Charlie? <laughs> yeah. Just you two talk surfing for a bit. It's, no, uh, mate, we're going to teach you. We're going to teach you the magic ways of it. I might have a go. I'd, I'd love I, to I, see I might, this. I yeah. might have a go. I might have a go. Maybe I can kneel on it on something like that. I don't know. I'd have a go at anything, to be fair. I'd, I'd have a go. But but you're off surfing soon, Charlie, aren't you? Yeah, man, it's crazy. Two weeks today, we'll be there in um, down in southern Portugal. Are we breaking production wait. for that week, are we? Because I don't we want to be left alone with all this equipment. That could be a terrible return. It should be like double recording this week, and I'm editing whilst we're out there that week. That's Editing whilst he's out there. He yeah. loves that old shout, doesn't he? There you go. <laughs> living the freelancer's dream. So, two years in Australia, living on the beach. What part of Australia? Uh, on the Gold Coast. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah. South, south of Surfers Paradise. The guy yeah. that we um, ended up hooking up with, living with for a bit, he was a keen surfer. And, yeah, he just, just taught me the ways. And, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one because the amount of time you actually spend on the wave compared to the amount of time you're grinding to get out and ducking and getting wiped out just for that little moment's buzz it i can relate to business in a lot of way because that's a great it's, point mate. It's, it's a grind yeah, but yeah. but when you when you get those highs there's nothing like yeah. it and, and you know that's but but you but you're working harder than everyone else you're trusting the process you believe in that moment's going to come and you go in again and you go in again and you go in again yeah absolutely that yeah that's pretty good advice that's yeah. pretty good advice so let's talk about next generation and let's talk about advice as we come towards the end of the show which is a shame to be fair because this is one of those conversations that could go on and on <laughs> but if we're looking at the industry now we know there is a problem with installers. Mm. We know there is a challenge in getting more businesses to embrace the power of apprenticeships, you know, yeah. what they can offer. Um, addressing those two factors are big on lots of people's radars. You know, Damien Waters is up there in terms, yeah. of, in terms of spreading the message. And Damien's been a two-time, three-time? No, he's been a two-time guest on the Vaughan and Jones yeah. show, definitely. And I think he, he's popped up in a couple of other things I've done. And he's flying the flag, isn't he? Yeah, very passionately, very passionately. But from what I can see, the challenge, challenge he has at the moment isn't the apprenticeship schemes. It's getting the take-up with businesses to, 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 to bring apprentices in. You have... Lots of apprentices in, in your business, don't you? Is it is is that a, is that something you you you've created? Is it something that that's harder to bring them in now? Let's talk about that. Yeah, it's it's our biggest challenge. You know, um, we've got so much opportunity, 
uh, and there's, there's so much potential for growth. Um, but I, we won't grow beyond our capabilities, and the key is getting good quality installers. Uh, that's always going to be a challenge. We, we have created it um, largely in-house, um, and it's taken years and years and years of perfection. It, it, mm. You know, it's, it is our USP, is the way that we can attract, recruit, and train and and I'm proud to say we've got a very low turnover of, of installers once they're with us. Yeah. Um, but I think you said something about about that to me earlier, and it was it was such a powerful comment, and and it was just part of the conversation. But you know, you said about the people that that when people move on, you know, mm. it kind of breaks your heart in a way because <laughs> yeah. But but you know, it's the okay. It's, I mean, I guess it's kind of like your kids leaving home, isn't it? You don't really <laughs> want them to go, but you know they've got to go, and you think, oh, that'd be good when they go. But then they come back, like, please go. But from yeah. an employer-employee perspective, when you watch people on a journey and they've started at a level and they've got to a level and you've given them the tools to move on to something life-changing, yeah. as much as it hurts... And I've been through this recently with, with Jack the Lad, who worked for me, and I've known him since he was a little kid. Um, he's done great things in his time with us, and if I had a magic wand, I wouldn't have wanted him to go, but he wanted to go, and what he's doing yeah. is something very different and career-defining for him. Good luck, son. You know, g- yeah. Good luck. Go out there and smash it. The way you said that, you know, you, you, you meant it with your eyes, you meant it from your heart. It's tough, isn't it, when you, when you do it? And do you think, that's, do you think that could put people off? They want to bring, bring people in to do that. I don't know. It, it's it shouldn't, bit, should it? No, and, and you need to just, <laughs> in some ways, just toughen up. It's a bittersweet situation because although you're you know, losing good guys uh, and, and guys that you've enjoyed working with, you get a super sense of achievement seeing them yeah. go on and achieve. I've got, I'm in touch with loads of people that have we've come through Caboodle and some of them have got their own businesses now and they're doing really well, you know, and I take pride in the fact that yeah. they were inspired to do that from working with us uh, and that's great, you know, and, and they're, they're going on to do great things. So there's a good side to it. Um, as long as you've got the ability to attract mm. new talent, um, then this is all part of the journey. You know, it's going to happen. And that's the key. I think a lot more needs to be done in really promoting um, apprenticeships and installation as, mm. as a career choice. And, and it's funny because I was listening to the radio on the way down there and they were chatting about AI. Yeah. And they were saying it, it's a real, real threat that AI could take a third of the jobs in the UK over the next 10 years. And that's frightening statistic, mm. isn't it? But I'll put my neck on the line today and say, I'm pretty certain AI is not going to fit your downdraft extractor ever or your gas <laughs> Not hole. to Mrs Jones's standards, mate. It's got absolutely <laughs> no chance. And if it does, it, it's work is done. Well, this Jane's just... going to hate me if she listens to this episode, <laughs> isn't she? I've made a bit outside. Sorry, sorry Mrs. She's Jones. Most, she's the most laid-back person in the world. You get more cups of tea and, and sandwiches and hours if you come and do any work than you do work. So uh, probably take that back. But, but no, no. I mean, I mean, we've got a, the internet was going to take all our jobs. Do you know this what I mean? It. Social yeah. media was going to yeah. take all their jobs. Creators are going to take all their jobs. No one needs to do any work. We can all be influenced. We can all be. Yes, yeah, technology is going to evolve, and um, you know I've. Yes, it will. And, and I actually think that embracing it through the right way will make a difference. But the lifeblood of any business is people. Yeah. And the next generation, whether they are school leavers, college leavers, university leavers, or whether they're transferring in from a mature age and wanting to learn different skills, we can come, come from everywhere to arrive at the point. But it is something which I 100% agree, agree with you, Matt, is that there is an apprenticeship 
problem, there's an installer problem. And actually, where the best people come from, what brings them in? We need businesses like yours and brands like yours to stand up and say, look at this pathway. Mm. Look at the success you can have. Look at what you can be earning. Because that's, that's a message that, although it's being shouted out, I don't think it's being shouted out loud enough or in the right way or it's connecting mm. at the right times. Yeah. Um, and if we can do that together, yeah, we, the, the future of the industry is very, very safe. But the, mm. uh, the challenge will be the next generation of installers. And uh, I think if we can learn from the Caputo way, Love we'll it. be in a good place. What about that? What Love about it. that? Thank you. Matt, yeah. th- thank you so much. So we're going to wrap the episode up like we always do. Um, I need to say thank you to a few people because without them we don't have a show so Surfer Boy over there Charlie Hula um, we're we're episode 11 so we're fastly approaching the halfway point of season 6 thanks for all the work you've been doing in studio on studio offset answering my crazy messages because I text people at random times they don't have to come back to me but I just have to get it off my chest man you know it's like you know I've got this idea can we do that yes but Peter it'd be okay you know just we talk about it on Thursday okay but can we talk about it now no we talk about it on Thursday okay we talk about it Thursday thank you Charlie your patience your expertise and your creativity make a massive difference always a pleasure never head, a chore head sponsor Marcel headline sponsor without the MHK holding UK group we don't have a podcast so thanks to him and obviously all the listeners out there whether you're a new listener an old listener a fan of Caboodle a fan of Foyne Jones a fan of Hula whoever you are without you there is no podcast thank you so much Matt the floor is yours yeah I'd like you to give some words of advice to the next generation what would you say to people now at the beginning of their career right yeah so mine is all about people because it's people that have basically shaped my journey So, so number one I firmly buy into the theory that you are the sum average of the five people you spend most of your time with. I really do believe that. So first bit of advice is choose your circle wisely and just make sure you surround yourself with people that are aligned to your goals, your values, and are going to inspire you and keep pushing you. That's number one. Number two, never pass up the opportunity to network and get yourself out there. I, I did that from day one. I said yes to everything. And I think it's important nowadays to promote yourself as much as you promote your business because people buy from people. And, you know, you can potentially move from job to job in your career, but nowadays your personal brand is with you forever, you know, on social media and your reputation is so important. So get yourself out there, even if it's out of your comfort zone. I advise you to do that. And thirdly, probably a bit old-fashioned in the world of blocking and ghosting and zombieing but I have to say this just don't burn your bridges never burn your bridges respond to emails if you're having a bit of a tricky conflict in a business sense take the emotion out of it never make it personally never make it personal and just stay professional because especially in KBB it's a small industry people move around you never know who you're going to bump into again and uh, yeah that's it really just never burn your bridges Matt, they were pretty damn good, mate. To be fair, that, that, might, be, that might be three of the best. That was that, so that it was it was well delivered. And if we sum if we sum them up again, you know, surround yourself with good people. Um, if I surrounded myself with the wrong people, I could have been talking to Tony, you know, and I could have been in that, arguably been in that gang or in prison or whatever. And it's being around good people 
that, that gives you that pathway. And it's easy to be influenced by the wrong people as much as it is by the right people. So that's a fantastic point. Fantastic point. And the second the second point you made, network, network, and network, mm. two angles on that. Yeah, you could do a lot of damage to your personal brand and you could do a lot of good to your personal brand by doing it the right way. So, and... Yeah, putting yourself out there, you yeah. know, getting comfortable, feeling uncomfortable, networking, yeah. saying yes. You, you're selling all the time. You're building relationships all yeah. the time. Fantastic advice. Um, the last one, <laughs> taking emotion out, you know, don't burn your bridges. I've got one, one at the moment where if I looked at it emotionally, I'd be quite aggressive and upset. And But when I look at it calmly, yeah. it's not that bad. That's the key. You know, and it's not that bad, but I'm saying that at 48 years young. Yeah. I'm not saying that at 18, 19, 20, 21, at the other stage of my journey where I was probably too aggressive, probably too confrontational, probably mm. too it's got to happen now, now, now. Mm. You look, I look back at the younger me and think, yeah, I did all right, but got away with it a few times right. as well. And I was very good at saying sorry. You know, yeah. that's, uh, that was something I was taught. I was taught by a very, very top man. And he said, look, keep doing what you're doing. If you get it wrong, we can always say sorry and we'll go again. And that was great advice. But mm. in terms of what you said, choose your circle, network, don't burn your bridges. What a fantastic way to end episode 11. Matt. The caboodle stories have been brilliant. The surfing stories have been brilliant. We've loved the Steve and his town banter, but for me, it all started with a man in a van and a broken windscreen. It did. What a fantastic <laughs> episode of the Foyne Jones Show. Thanks for listening. Charlie, we'll see you next week. Thanks, boys. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, as I said, that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out next week's episode as we will keep inspiring our stars of the future.